unveiling the secrets A-list copywriters use to make themselves and their clients millions. This is the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. Welcome back to the Copywriters Podcast with your host, the world's greatest copywriting coach, David Garfinkel. David, how are you doing today, man? I'm good, Nathan. How are you? I'm fantastic, and I see that we have a continuation from one of the awesome shows that we did earlier, and so I'm excited to jump into this week's topic. Yeah, me too. You know, three weeks ago, we did that selection from my half of the no longer available Gorilla copywriting audiobook. Uh, it was so popular, we thought we'd do it again. And here's some background. 16 years ago, I produced an audiobook with my friend and mentor, Jay Conrad Levinson. He's no longer with us, sadly. But he was the author of the best-selling Gorilla Marketing series. And Jay and I originally thought about doing a book together. That never happened. However, we did do an audio book. It was called Gorilla Copywriting. And unlike a lot of things he and I did individually, this one didn't sell that well. I don't think either of us had the bandwidth to promote it, <clears throat> but there may have been another problem. We tried to jam too much good information into too little time. We had 60 really powerful tips for writing copy. Jay would do one, I would do one. Jay would do one, I would do one. It ended up being 60 tips in 60 minutes and plenty of value, but maybe we would have been better off slowing down and taking some time to talk about each tip. Well, the audiobook is out of print now, so I'm free to share my half of the material. And I took a look at it the other day, and I got to admit, it's pretty good. A couple things needed to be updated. A lot has happened in 16 years. But for the most part, we've got eternal principles that are completely workable today. Okay, so today we'll cover the second quarter of my part. And we're going to take 25 minutes to half an hour to discuss, which <laughs> in the past would have taken six minutes. <clears throat> you can see why it makes a lot more sense to do it this way. I'm starting to think the original is four times as fast as it should have been. Some things you're familiar with and some things you'll see in a new light. And you may hear a few things that are completely new to you. Everything's useful and it stays true to one of the main goals Jay and I had when we put this together originally. It's designed to make you more profitable and it's information you can use right away. As you can do with this, copy is powerful. You're responsible for how you use what you hear in this podcast. And most of the time, common sense is all you need. But if you're making extreme claims and if you're writing copy for offers in highly regulated industries like health, finance, and business opportunity, you may want to get a legal review after you write and before you start using your copy. My larger clients do this all the time. Okay. Yeah. Before we start. Yeah. Go ahead. I don't know if you did anything wrong by making these segments in the original book so short. Mm -hmm. Or if you were just 16 years ahead of your time, because going back through the book and saying, man, these would be perfect for like Instagram reels or TikTok micro content. I don't think you made a mistake. I think just the timing was off. You guys were too far ahead of your time. And the story of my life. Well, <laughs> um, you're right. And if we did it as an Instagram reel or as a TikTok, I think <laughs> might have just done 60 individual ones but you know 60 all at once was like 
Okay. Huge, huge onslaught of information and ideas. Still, they're they're worth tattooing in your brain. So maybe maybe you're maybe you're right. I don't know. Anyway, let's go to the tips for today. Number one, make your prospect say, "This is about me." It's so easy to fall in love with a product you're promoting that you could be forgiven if your you think your prospect will too. But whether you are forgiven or not, making that assumption is a mistake. Remember, your prospect does not care ultimately about how you feel about the product unless they feel you feel you are lying through your teeth because you're saying you love it when in fact you hate it. In that case, they'll care how you feel because something doesn't quite feel right. Another thing, this is hard, brace yourself. Your prospect doesn't care. Your prospect doesn't really want to read your copy even when they want your product, often their defenses are up when they're reading the copy because they know it's sales copy and they don't want to be sold. So what do they want anyway? What do they want? They want to be acknowledged. They want to feel validated. They want to feel important. They want to feel special. That's for real. And when it comes to copy, that feeling comes from your product coming across like it was designed and created especially for them. And when that happens, they get the feeling that comes like a bolt of lightning. Hey, this is about me. One way you could look at not defining your market specifically enough is being greedy, wanting too many customers and ending up like the kid in the candy store who's told he can have as much candy as he can take out with one scoop in one hand so he puts his hand in the bottle, but the amount of candy makes his fist too wide to fit through the mouth of the jar. Another explanation of not defining your market specifically enough is just stupidity. Because sooner or later, everyone learns that when your market is everyone, your market is no one. You can probably count on the fingers of one hand the number of businesses that have everyone in the world as their customers. You could say General Motors, for example, but remember, even General Motors went bankrupt uh, a few years ago. It's much better to pick a defined market and go after that. So let's not be greedy or stupid. It can be amusing at first, but it doesn't usually end well. Instead, focus on a specific target prospect who is part of a group that makes up a decent-sized target market. And don't be afraid to spell out who your product is not for. Then tell your prospects you know who they are and this product is for them. Tell them how and tell them why. They will thank you for it. They will buy it and you will be richer as a result. I like to think about, <laughs> I'm going to say it anyways. I like to think of this as an analogy of horny teenagers and you're getting ready for prom and you've got your prom date. And if you take your date to the prom and you're hoping that you're going to score afterwards and you pay complete attention to them, make them feel like they're the only person in the room, you might get lucky afterwards. But if you get to the prom and you're like, oh, I don't know, maybe I'll go talk to this girl. Maybe I'll go talk to this guy. Maybe I'll go talk to this person over here. And you don't clearly say, hey, I'm here for you. And you're like, I'm here for everybody. You're probably going to be going home alone. <laughs> never heard that before. That's really good. I agree. I like it. All right. Number two, write 
like your life depended on it and right like you're having the time of your life huh no this is about attitude and mindset writing copy is not a halfway thing you got to go all in whatever you do don't write like you've got one foot in the gas and the other one on the brake write with total commitment look at it this way your copy is the oxygen line between your customers out there in space and the profits for your business half-hearted copy won't do it give it all you got the other thing is don't write when you're feeling scared or depressed or exhausted it'll show and not only in the copy either it'll show in the results get into it you want to feel great about what you're writing the more fun you're having the better your copy will be cross a few lines go way out of bounds don't worry about the consequences but this is important after you've had a chance to cool down from your wild spree of enthusiasm and recklessness, it's time to reel it back in. So it will be believable and legal. And oh, did I also mention also so that it's true? But suppose you're not feeling up to it. Well, there is always caffeine as well as, oh, that was perfectly timed. You sort of, for our listeners, Nathan actually as I said, caffeine, Nathan tipped his cup up and I showed mine. But suppose you're not feeling it. Well, there's always caffeine as well as stronger stimulants, which may or may not be legal. But the best option is to get some rest or at least take a break until you are in a better frame of mind. Copy is not a mechanical thing. It's a very human thing. Enthusiastic humanity at its best. I just remember the saying, and I don't remember who originally said it, but copy... Sales is the transfer of enthusiasm. And if you're writing copy, having that enthusiasm in you when you're writing will translate to the enthusiasm that your prospects get when they're reading it. I think it was Zig Ziglar, but I could be wrong. But he said a lot of great things. He probably said that. All right. Number three, don't write for the critics. Write for your prospects. Have you ever seen something on Netflix that was ripped to shreds by the critics, but has a super high rating from actual viewers on Rotten Tomatoes? Think about that. The people who have media jobs to review movies often look at them much differently and much less favorably than ordinary viewers. It's almost like the professional reviewers are thinking in terms of what people should like, but real people simply know what they do like and they vote without the artificial filter. Still, some filmmakers create movies to please the critics. That's how you get movies that get very strong positive reviews, but bomb at the box office and get low ratings on Netflix. Interesting, right? What does this have to do with copy? Well, the thing is, it's exactly the same, except we don't have official paid critics to judge our copy and write extensive reviews of it. But very often when you're writing copy, you might have thought, what would so-and-so think? What would they say about me on Facebook? What will they say on Twitter? What will they say on LinkedIn? And that could make you hold back from putting your best copywriting foot forward. I'm not talking about writing immoral or illegal copy. I'm just talking about the potent stuff that spurs people to take action, which sometimes we hesitate to write because someone might criticize us. Well, may I kindly suggest that you get over it. Someone is going to criticize you, no matter what you do. So you might as well write the most powerful copy you can. You see, good copy moves emotions. 
And those emotions will spur actions in your prospect. And when you spur actions in the right way, you'll get more business. But this will also cause some people to criticize you. It's interesting that these people are usually not prospects for what you're selling anyway. So really, why do their opinions matter? Take it with a grain of salt. Their criticisms mean usually that you've just written some really potent copy. So Rotten Tomatoes has this issue that they've been, it's been getting bigger and bigger over the last few years where the audience score and the critic score almost never match. The critics love it and the audience hates it or vice versa. The audience loves it and the critics hate it. And I've come to the conclusion of watching this. I have this saying, never cater to your haters. A lot of times we're worried about what the haters are going to say. So we we change what we're doing to make them happy. And in doing so, we sacrifice the people who love and appreciate us. So we trade our actual audience for a phantom audience. And yeah, my, my hard and fast rule is don't worry about the haters. Never cater to the haters. I love that. That's really good. I want to take a moment to point out how vitally important headlines are in copy. As you may already know, the strength of your headline accounts for up to 80 or even 90% of the effectiveness of your ad. Think about that. What if there were a way to shortcut the headline writing process and start a new headline based on a proven winner? Well, there is. It's all in my book called Advertising Headlines That Make You Rich. This book is available now on Amazon.com. Advertising Headlines That Make You Rich. What's unique about this book is it shows you exactly how to adapt a proven winner to your product or service, because I show you 10 adaptations for each headline in different niches and explain the psychology of how to adapt a headline. Advertising headlines that make you rich in hard copy and Kindle formats on Amazon. Now back to our show. Okay. Number four, use bullet points to get prospects really excited. Stories are great. And probably the most powerful way we have to use words to convince someone of something. So why would we use bullet points when we already have stories? Well, think of a zoom lens in a camera. A story zooms out to a wide angle and gives a broad brush big picture of something about the product we're selling. It's good. It's very persuasive, but details are important too. A story that covered every single detail would be way too long and boring as hell to boot. Bullet points take care of that. Now, of course, you can't cover every detail in your bullet points, but you can zoom in on the most important ones and add some zing and some intrigue to those details. In fact, some of the best bullet points give people a clear picture of the benefits they'll get, but those same bullet points give your prospect no clue as to how they'll actually get those benefits. We call those blind bullets. You don't want your entire copy to be like that. At some point, you have to tell people what the product is, what's included, what it costs, and so forth. That's not where bullet points shine, though. And in fact, you don't want to use bullet points in those parts. But you can use benefit-driven bullets to create intrigue, to get people excited about specific aspects of the product, and to get them extremely curious. This will make it all the more likely that they'll go ahead and click the buy button. I consciously write my bullets with different types of readers or different types of mindset in mind. Hmm. If I'm in a rush and it's not a super high ticket item, 
sometimes I'll just go straight to the bullets and I'll read the bullets to see either are you going to sell me in the bullets or are the bullets going to be intriguing enough to get me to read the rest of the sales piece. I know for myself, a lot of times the bullets is the first place I go. They're the easiest to consume and they're the easiest to pick out because they stand out from the rest of the sales copy. So taking what you just said and understanding how important bullets are, because a lot of times I'll skip past the headline and go straight to the bullets. Yeah. I've never heard anyone say that before, and I'm not sure anyone who's not a copywriter would do that, but let's assume some people do. Why would they do that? I think for the same reason you're doing it, you really want to know, I don't care what's in this product. What's it going to do for me? And that's what the bullets tell you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Cool. All right. Number five, think of testimonials as word of mouth recommendations on steroids. If you have a friend who watches a lot of, we're back to movies. If you have a friend who watches a lot of movies and you agree with their taste in films, you'll probably ask them before investing your own time and possibly money in watching a film you weren't sure about. And there's a good chance you'll follow their advice. Same thing probably with restaurants, books, and music. Maybe you've recommended this podcast to someone else yourself, which is looking at what I'm talking about here from the other side. That is, we rely on word of mouth recommendations all the time in a casual way. It's not formal. If you're not a professional movie reviewer and a friend asks you about Black Panther, Wakanda forever, you're not going to answer the center of Black Panther, Wakanda forever, the sequel to the hugely popular Black Panther and a tribute to Chadwick Boseman is sincere. Even if the overall film feels manufactured, it begins with a funeral for the recently deceased King T'Challa, Shuri, Letitia Wright and Queen Ramonda, Angela Bassett, are dressed in white following the black coffin, whose top features a silver emblem of the Black Panther mask and the crossed arms of the Wakanda salute. Their mournful profession, procession winding through the kingdom is contrasted with slow-motion trafficking shots of dancers jubilantly dancing in memory of their fallen king. Oh, man. I've never wanted to take a break in the middle of a podcast before this, but that was exhausting. <laughs> no, I'm all right. I'm just kidding. Anyway, that long paragraph I just read you was what professional movie reviewer Robert Daniels wrote on RogerEbert.com about Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. But unless you were in film school and you were warming up to write a paper on sincerity versus manufactured feelings in film, you probably would not say that to a friend. You probably would say something more like this. Yeah, I liked it. Beautiful movie. The effects were really cool. And they had this new tribe that lived underground in Mexico. And there was this guy who could fly with feathers on his feet. The Robert Daniels one is really intellectual. The what you would say one is pretty damn conversational. And it's in the realm of good testimonials. The difference between what I just said about Black Panther and the kind of testimonial you would use in copy, there might be no difference at all. Testimonials should be conversation and believable. They can be emotional and they can be detailed and specific without being analytical and intellectual like the Robert Daniels review. Hmm. 
I would say as a copywriter, you kind of have a responsibility to guide testimonials because a lot of people, when you ask them for testimonials, are going to think you're asking for the first example and not know that what you really want is the second example. Yeah, that's really true. People, when they write, go into this compliant student employee mode. I, I don't mean testimonials. I mean, most people who aren't copywriters, who aren't trained, who aren't experienced. And so they start trying to be very logical and analytical and detailed and, and judgmental. So yeah, you need to guide them. That's true. And sometimes you can interview people. And eventually when you get past all of that bullshit and into what they would say as a normal person to another normal person, like a friend, and you capture that, and then you can craft that into a testimonial. Just yep. make sure you get their sign off. Yeah. Okay. Number six, make the action you're looking for clear and specific to the prospect. Copy is sure the place to use imaginative, soaring language, as long as it helps you advance the sale. You can use power words and sensory-rich open loops, and you can paint word pictures so vivid even kindergartners would be jealous. And most of that can work in your copy. But watch out when you try and use your fancy verbal chops in your call to action. You're not doing choreography for some impossibly intricate dance. What you want to do is give someone simple, clear instructions on how to safely walk across the street. From one side of the street where prospects hang out to the other side of the street where happy customers gather. Remember, if you've done a good job, then your prospect will be excited when you give them the opportunity to order. They won't be cool, calm, and collected. They'll be excited. They'll be distractible. So you want to tell them what to do and how to do it in the simplest, shortest words possible. Giving your ordering instructions plainly and going over them more than once to make sure people can't screw them up really helps. Back in the day when there were a lot of magazines and a lot of mail order ads were in some of those magazines, I remember hearing about this art director whose creativity got in the way of sales. The art director displayed the whole ad in reverse type, which is white letters on a black background. The fact that it was hard to read was not the biggest problem. What was the biggest problem was the coupon to order had a black background. So in order to use it, you'd have to fill it in with white ink. Don't do stupid stuff like that. Make it simple and easy to order. I like to think clever and creative. No clear, concise calls to action. Yes. The four C's clever and creative. No clear and concise. Yes. I like it. Okay. Number seven, sell people what they want, not what they need. Here's the sad truth. This can be hard to see when you're in love with your product or when you are on a mission to save the world. You're a superhero and you know your product is the best way to do that. Mm -hmm. But see this sad truth you must because more often than not, people don't spend money on what they need, especially when it's what you know what they need, they just don't happen to think so or realize it yet. However, what they want, that's a whole nother story. People will spend tons of money on what they want but don't really need. 
Exhibit A is my own extensive collection of guitars. Now, people do buy what they need, but most of the time it's only when they're in so much pain or under so much pressure that they can't avoid it. Sure, you can ratchet up the pain or the pressure with your copy, but that's a risky strategy and you're still getting into thumb wrestling with human nature when you go about it that way. Here's a little trick I learned a long time ago that might come in handy. It keeps you honest and it helps you get higher conversion rates. Sell people what they want and then sneak in what they need. Kind of like a spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. If you don't remember Julie Andrews and Mary Poppins, so I just look it up on YouTube. And by the way, have you seen that video recently, Nathan? Mm -mm. It's like a straight-laced psychedelic experience. I mean, <laughs> first of all, Mary is snapping her fingers and the beds make themselves. Then she sticks her finger out of the window and a robin gets on it and starts singing along with her. And then finally she sings into a mirror and her mirror image sings back to her in the arpeggio of a dominant seventh chord. And finally, all of these jack-in-the-boxes start going berserk. It's really something to watch. 60, 60 years old, and but very straight-laced, you know? I mean, she and the two kids, they're all dressed very formally and everything. It's funny. Anyway, um, <laughs> yeah. I remember as a kid one time I had pneumonia, and I did not watch Mary Poppins when I had pneumonia, but I did have a prescription from the doctor, these horse pills that were just nasty and I couldn't get them down. And so my mom would pop them open and mix them in with the applesauce and give me the applesauce. And that was a great example of giving me what I wanted and slipping in what I needed because I was definitely not going to take the pills by themselves. Thank you. That's actually a better example than Mary Poppins. Not as much fun, but a great example. All right, so let's recap the, these uh, seven Gorilla copywriting tips. Number one, make your prospect say, this is about me. Number two, write like your life depended on it and write like you're having the time of your life. Three, don't write for the critics, write for your prospects. Four, use bullet points to get your prospects really excited or to get Nathan to buy. Five, think of testimonials as word of mouth recommendations on steroids. Six, make the action you're looking for clear and simple to the prospect. And number seven, sell people what they want, not what they need. Man, I had a lot of fun with this episode, David. Yeah, I did too. Thank you. That was good. All right. Thank you. And if you also listening had fun, you're probably going to enjoy other episodes that we put together. And the best way to find them is to head over to copywriterspodcast.com. And while you're there, check us out on your favorite podcast app. Like, subscribe, leave a comment. And until next time, we will catch you later. Catch you later. Hey, did you enjoy today's show? Want to help get it into the ears of more listeners? Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. This is the Copy and Funnels Podcast Network.